Welcome, everyone, to another installment of The Glitz Mob. Glitz Mob! My name is Kent Sievers. My name is Brendan Meisner. And we comprise The Glitz Mob, the two of us, the dynamic duo. We talk about some movies, and this week's movie, we say weeks, someday, when we're, when we're grown up. We'll make movies. We'll make movies. We'll make podcasts every week. It'll we be could great. also make movies. <laughs> we, <laughs> I have we been there. We can make movies about making podcasts about movies every that, week. That would be so meta. That would be great. Which reminds me, we should do Inception. <laughs> uh, yep, putting that on the list. All right, well, anyway, this episode we will be talking about the prestige, as we said last time. So, Brendan, why don't you go ahead and intro the prestige? This is kind of your darling. Well, I think we could probably just skip the whole podcast thing and make this our shortest podcast of all time and just go ahead and say, yes, it belongs in the Hall of Fame because it is my favorite movie. Um, I can't really tell you why. It's just whenever somebody asks me, what's your favorite movie, Brendan? I say, the prestige. And it hasn't changed since about 2009. So, depending on how you want to look at it, the prestige could be described in many ways, but the gist of it is, it's two guys who start off on the same team as magicians who turn against each other and let obsession and compulsion take over their lives and drive them to disaster. Who will win? Who will come out on top as the best magician? Got to watch the Prestige to find out. That's right, but we are gonna spoil it. Yeah, this is a podcast about reviewing films, so it should go without saying there are major spoilers ahead. Still at the service of your alert. Exactly. If you haven't seen it by now, that's on you, bro. I mean, that was so last decade. So <laughs> it was. That was fourteen years ago now. So, all right. So. We have five criteria that we stick to loosely to talk about movies and whether or not they should be in the Hall of Fame. Overall quality, feels, broad appeal, rewatchability, and holds upness or timelessness. The lessness of time. That's right. The lessness of holding up. So, in terms of overall quality, what say you about the the pre? <laughs> you said the prestige. What do you say about the prestige? Ah, uh, man. Just overall prestigious, I would say. It is um, that. I mean, this film is fantastic in so many aspects. Um, directing wise, Christopher Nolan just knocks everything out of the park like he always does. He's true. But. Cinematography, acting, technical aspects, everything is just great. Um, does such a good job of giving different feels through the cinematography. Um, and in true Christopher Nolan fashion, it's just kind of all over the place in terms of timeline for the film. And it always keeps you guessing where you're at, trying to figure out what's going on. Just great plot, great editing, great acting, great directing. I love it. I can't say a negative thing about it. I second that, and I also have to add David Bowie as Nikola Tesla, which oh. is 
one of just the greatest things to ever happen. Dude, uh, can we talk about the fact that this film has a Nikola Tesla versus Thomas Edison subplot in it? It does. <laughs> and I'm not going to so lie. Great. I Nothing else is informing that narrative for me other than the prestige. I mean, I guess oh, absolutely. I guess I've heard like some other historical accounts, like just offhand, but not having picked any of that up in history class or anything. That's really the only <laughs> place I've heard it from. I mean, really, all you need to know is what you saw here. Thomas Edison is just a really big douchebag who's for <laughs> propaganda because his form of current was inferior to Tesla's. I mean, fair enough. And Flint Lockwood didn't have a poster on his wall of Thomas Edison, rock star scientist. It was Nikola Tesla, rock star scientist. Although he did have a poster of Thomas Edison, he just wasn't the rock star scientist. There can only there can <laughs> there can be only one rock star scientist. That's right. And so next week we're gonna watch The Highlander. Not not Thanks really reading my mind. Not really. <laughs> But hopefully oh. it does have Sean Connery in it, whatever it is. Sean Connery. All right. So, so how, yeah. how do you feel? Overall quality, I mean, you said it. It's Christopher Nolan uh, directing. Cinematography is fantastic. Um, I will send a shout out to sound mixing on this one because there's a lot of loud banging and buzzing of lights and and things like that so yeah i mean everything works well and um you know there's never a moment where my the suspension of my disbelief is unsuspended it unless they want it to be right exactly so yeah no it's uh it's it's fantastic every piece of it fits it works great. Can we also just talk about real quick how 2006 was the year of the magician and that the yes. illusionist starring Edward Norton came out a month before the prestige and looked like the darling to be the best magician movie of the year. And then the prestige came out and was just like, nah, brah. Yeah. And it was over. Yeah. I, I think I saw The Illusionist, and I actually I liked it better. Um, so we'll kind of touch on this later, but I, I didn't like Ooh. The Prestige the first time I watched it. Ooh, shots fired. Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't care for it because of the... I, I thought it was too far-fetched, uh, basically, that he, you know Nikola Tesla built him this thing that copied him. And I was just like, wow, that this went into, like, into sci-fi, and that was just really not what the movie was about. So we'll, we'll get into that later okay. and my thoughts okay. on that. But feels-wise, it's a revenge movie. Two guys who were close. Um, I don't know they were close, I guess, but a good They're working relationship. Yep. So they, like you said, were on the same team. Something happens. Basically... So Christian Bale's characters take a calculated risk that ends up killing uh, Hugh Jackman's wife. Wait, did you say Christian Bale's characters? I did. That's part of the 
the turn. No, is that the prestige? Would you say? I'd say that's the prestige. Yeah, that's probably the prestige. So yeah, the uh, the great uh, twist of of the movie is that he ends up being a twin. They've kind of referenced it the whole time. Um, so the fact that it's yeah, it's just kind of audacious, and you know, especially the first time you watch it, you're like, oh dang. They kind of allude to it, you know, when they go to the Chinese guy and he guesses it right away, how he does the trick. And the fact that Michael Caine's character is just like, yeah, he uses a double. There's no other way to do it. And then you raised her. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, yeah, the feels, though, it's a revenge movie. It's intense. It's it, it it's an obsession movie. Um yeah, there's there's a lot of great qualities, um, a lot of great um, character development. Um, you see, what is? I can't actually remember. I remember the great Danton. I remember Lord Coldlow, but what are their Probably names? Actually, here. Albert is one of them, or Alfred. Alfred. Alfred, because they call him Freddy. Freddy. And then uh, Hugh Jackman's Alfred character. Gordon. And Robert Angier. Angier. Yeah, that's right. So, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, no. Hugh Jackman and and Christian Bale kill it. It's, yeah, you see the deep pain and emotion. And then Angier just gets obsessed and to the point where he's not really mourning his wife anymore. He's just obsessed with revenge. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this movie doesn't have a lot of happy feels no um maybe the first time you watch it if you're pulling for one person or another and the person that you're pulling for comes out on top then you're like yes that is the person who deserved to come out on top i'm happy about that Mm -hmm. but the more you watch it the more you just realize that there's not really a good person um, it's not a redemptive movie no no not a not a virtuistic ensemble of people everybody is very selfish in it for themselves there's some characters who are a victim of circumstance like sarah right and you're like man that really sucks that she was put in that situation some of the, the ultimate decision that she makes makes you feel like well that was pretty selfish and why would yeah. you leave your daughter to be raised by a crazy man that you just lost it with, you know? Yeah. So I will say probably the, well, Tesla is a, uh, a likable character. And also John is a Michael Caine's character at, at times. Yes. He redeems himself in the end, but at yeah. one point, I mean, he puts felt, Ah, what's his name? It's my favorite movie, and I can't even remember his name right now. Um, Borden's engineer in a casket that helps bury him. <laughs> yeah, that is and true. He does get shot by him, but he says, good, it'll help. It'll save me from cutting you some air holes. So at least he's going to cut him air holes, but it's like, dang, man, that's yeah. pretty dark. Yeah. That is true. Um, but, but yeah, I mean... It's not a happy movie, but the feels that you do feel. I mean, it's suspenseful. There's twists. 
there's things that catch you off guard. You're kind of on the edge of your seat the whole time, just wondering what's going to happen. Yeah. Wondering what to believe is real and what to believe isn't real. And then coming back to the point, like you said, the sci-fi aspect, I mean, the whole time that you're watching, you think this can't be a real thing, you know, mm-hmm. this, this can't be how this happens. And, ends up being a real thing because tesla is apparently a master genetics expert or something um and yeah so it's not you don't feel all of the feels but you feel some deep feels true yeah so if you're into those kinds of feels then man it gets you for sure so who do you think that this movie appeals to i think it's an interesting movie for anyone uh, you know magic has a draw for a wide draw i should say um Mm. people people like to watch it um and there's a feel about magic that kind of has its own culture and um you know it's always going to have its place in in society um magic tricks and illusions and stuff like that um the showmanship of it all um so there's a lot of that um appeal i think in the movie uh that draws people in and just the fact that it's uh yeah it's a it's a compelling story even though it's not a happy one um it's kind of like you know it's interesting to watch it's a conflict um it's done very well I think the appeal is pretty broad, but again, um, there's some sci-fi elements and, and stuff that are kind of brought in. If you're looking for a happy movie, you're not really going to like it. It's not it's not a funny movie by any means. Um, so I think it has its limits, but yeah, it's a pretty broad appeal. What do you say? I mean, yeah, it's a movie that, I mean, you don't have to have a specific interest in magic per se to um to enjoy it i think it's a movie that anybody who just enjoys a good story uh, would enjoy um especially if you're i mean you have to go into it not expecting something lighthearted. yeah but otherwise i mean if if you enjoy movies that make you think that that make you really try to find something um, try to find the the secret, then then it's great. Um, of course, Michael Caine's character Cutter basically says, and he sets it all up in the beginning when he's talking about magic tricks and at one point about how you're looking for the secret, but you, you're not gonna find it because you don't really want to know it. You're mm-hmm. looking, but you don't want to find it. Mm-hmm. You want to be fooled. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that that's true of a, a lot of people going into into a film too i mean we all kind of want to try to dissect a movie and and figure out what's going to happen before it happens but if we do then it's too simple Mm -hmm. Uh, that was so obvious we saw that coming both movie like this i mean until basically the very end of the first time you watch it you're just like whoa okay that was a thing so um if you don't like dark movies and you don't like heavy movies then i guess maybe it's not for you but otherwise, I'd say it's a pretty pretty broad spectrum of people who could enjoy this film. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of the meta analysis going on. There's a lot of like uh, different layers of 
almost irony, <clears throat> excuse me, irony to it. And, um, but yeah, it, it, I think people can relate to, to the madness of basically escalation of it, of an argument. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it starts off with, he's mad at Borden because he took a, a risk and he knows it, but then Borden lies to him and says he doesn't know what the knot was. And, and that ends up becoming a tit for tat that they just, it, they can't let go until somebody dies. Um, and <laughs> not to, not to get too, too deep into it, but uh, I mean, even, even being married, sometimes that can, be the way things tend to go you you get into an argument and you just can't let it go even though both of you would be better off if you just said you know what there's we have so much more in common than this stupid thing we're fighting about so yeah i think i think people get that it happens in all kinds of relationships and all kinds of different settings so in one sense it is kind of a damning look at you know getting so narrow-minded on things that set us apart i mean especially today in this political climate you know people focus on the differences when there's so much we have in common um and so much so that the echo chambers get louder and louder and people get more and more divided and there's no need for it mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. there, there certainly is a broad appeal now there's a lot of stylistic stuff that might keep people out. And like you said, dark, like we've both said, dark movie, slow moving, maybe a little bit, but definitely, definitely interesting and uh, captivating and, and pretty intense at times. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. But how about shows that? The danger of, shows the danger of obsession. And yes, um, I think that's something that everybody can relate to it. At yep. one point or another in their lives, becoming so obsessed with a thing, whether it be mm -hmm. uh, an ideal political platform, a person, a job, anything, mm -hmm. um, the dangers of just giving into that obsession and letting it drive you. Yeah, absolutely. But could you watch it twice or more times? I have. <laughs> I feel like once you see this movie once, you have to watch it a second time because you're asking yourself, mm -hmm. how did I not see this coming the whole time? Mm -hmm. You look for all those little things. And even the third time, even the fourth time, you see something new. And then the fifth time, you're like, okay, I saw all this. And then the sixth time, you're like, oh, wait, there's another new little thing. Mm -hmm. So all that to say, absolutely. Um, and I think that's another thing with, with Christopher Nolan. I feel like he almost goes into every film saying okay you're gonna have to watch this twice to fully comprehend all the levels of it yeah which is true for a lot of cinema i mean yeah. you miss a lot of things the first time around but um some of the more intricate details that were right there to be seen it's not like they didn't lay it all out for you right. they were all there right um yeah and it's it's compelling without the twist i feel like one of the one of my favorite movies that I've watched the first time and then it was not as interesting the second time was like an unbreakable where once the tw once the twist happens like the twist is the the big reveal and then after that when you go through and watch it yeah it's kind of good and entertaining but 
without the suspense of not knowing, it actually detracts from the movie, whereas the prestige, I feel like knowing even adds to the movie. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, you can't go back to that first time that you saw it and get the the shock or the the thrill of learning that Borden's a twin. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't recapture that. But it almost turns into a little Easter egg hunt, looking for all the little clues, all the little things. And then, I mean, on the second or third or fourth watch, you kind of get mad at yourself because you're like, dang, that was obvious. Yeah. It really is. They allude to it all the time. Oh, yeah. It was either going to be a movie about twins or a movie about an extreme bipolar person. <laughs> right. Or dissociative identity disorder, right. I guess. Right. Something, something like that. Yeah. So, I'd, overall. Oh, so I, ha- I have walk? to... Yeah, I have to go back, though, and say the second time I watched it, yeah, so the the first time I watched it, I didn't care for it. I thought it was a little bit of a stretch. But watching it a second time, it just works because it's it's an extreme that Angier goes to, you know, in the guise of, well, I want to be the best magician, to kind of admitting that, yeah, this is an obsession, but... Um, just rationalizing everything away to the point that he's, you know, when when Tesla asks him, "Have you considered the cost?" You know he's he's gonna pay it no matter what it is, mm-hmm. and even if that means he duplicates himself and then has to kill himself every night on stage, he's willing to pay that cost, and. Yeah. So you you get it is far fetched for a reason, and it's to say this is how insane this guy is that he would he would go this far um, into the land of the bizarre um, just to just to experience some kind of revenge fantasy. Yeah. So I mean, he would literally kill himself over and over again right and that's just so telling i mean killing yourself over and over again is just a fantastic allegory or um metaphor for for revenge Mm -hmm. so yeah we could have a whole another hours long discussion about all of the questions that this raises about morality and I mean, even science as far mm-hmm. as like when he does duplicate himself, does that new clone have all memories and all shared characteristics or is there anything different? I mean, is it literally just an identical copy who has the exact same motivations and drive mm-hmm. as, as originally Angier who ends up in the water tank or um, yeah. I, mean, yep. I, I tried to think about that one night. It just blew my mind. I don't even know. <laughs> Probably confused myself more than anything. Well, it's interesting because I, I just heard somebody talking about Frankenstein. And I think there's a lot of comparisons to Frankenstein. Um, because whenever you have some kind of gimmick like 
um, the duplicating, the technology that allows them to duplicate. Well, Frankenstein's about, you know, putting together a bunch of parts of dead people and then, you know, turns into a, a human type of person um, and the morality behind that. And even though it's based kind of based around a gimmick almost it it tells a story about the human condition still and the prestige does do that well um so i i had to recant on my my disliking the first time around um i did come around and i yeah i i think all of it works well together the story is super compelling and it is definitely rewatchable yeah. I mean, full disclosure, going back to The Illusionist, I watched that movie first. About halfway through, I predicted how it was going to end, and I was so proud of myself that I refused to watch The Prestige when friends told me that it was better than The Illusionist because I was like, no way. Yeah. The Illusionist was great because I knew exactly how it was going to end. <laughs> so it's kind of ironic that my love for The Prestige is in the unpredictability and... and the mind nope not gonna say that word the unpredictability and <laughs> just the the yeah. i don't even know what i'm trying to say there because i don't know any other way to say it than mind f but yep yeah good sure. stuff so kent is this a film that holds up over time we're yes 13 uh, we're 14 years removed right yeah um and I alluded to it, of course, just a second ago. But I mean, the same way that Frankenstein holds up, it it works. Um, it tells a story about a possible future technology. Um, I think we're kind of experiencing some of that today. Um, I mean, we've already kind of gone through or been exposed to the cloning question. But by the way, uh, neither. Mary Shelley's fake technology nor the technology that Tesla invents in the prestige have actually been invented yet. So maybe someday we'll actually have to deal with these questions until then it tells you something about the human condition and morality. And so, yeah, I, I absolutely think, um, and we, we kind of uh, talked about this too in the matrix episode, but Sometimes fantasy and sci-fi are more timeless. They're able to be more timeless than other types of films because they do work in the realm of the imaginary. And so everything's kind of hypothetical. Um, it's not necessarily based around any specific time period, um, but it's based around the settings and and the the plot lines that really could exist at any time when there's an obtrusive or what's the word I'm looking for a revolutionary type of technology that really does change the fabric of reality like those theoretical technologies would yeah i also think that i mean i think this film has held up through today it's not so much anything like a political commentary that's touching on a hot button issue of the time. Yep. It more deals with human nature, deals with emotions that are timeless issues that 
people have dealt with from the beginning of time with Cain and Abel, jealousy and, and trying to outdo one another or being angry about being outdone by, by somebody else. Um, things that aren't ever going to disappear. Um, like you touched on, as soon as you throw in the sci-fi fantasy element, it automatically asks you to suspend disbelief, mm-hmm. uh, allowing you to to embrace what the film's showing you, um, taking what it gives you, and, and not necessarily needing to find faults with it. Um, if if the Tesla machine wasn't in it, then there would probably be a lot more a lot more opportunity to try to tear it apart with things. But as soon as you get that futuristic yet to be invented technology that all of a sudden is there and then you say, okay, well things can happen. So I don't think that there's anything that I I watched the film and, and it's would be unrealistic for the time period as far as characterizations of people um, as far as the issues that they deal with and the themes of the movie, there's nothing that, that falls apart over time until maybe when that machine is created and it works completely differently. And then we're like, oh, well, Christopher Nolan got it all wrong. Yeah. Totally agree. All right. So we've gone through the checklist. Any other final commentary on uh, The Prestige? No. It's a great film. You should go watch it if you haven't. And then prepared to watch it a second time and a third. Mm-hmm. It'll and, knock your socks off. Yeah, and I promise you, you will be even better off post-Stige. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Thank you for that chuckle. You I are a dad. I deserved it. Yep. All right, so the big question. Does this film deserve a spot in the hall of fame me being completely unbiased (laughs) as if it weren't my favorite film that i immensely enjoy every time that i watch it would say "Eh, i can't be unbiased so hell yes yeah what say you uh i say yes as well i think it is a it is a movie that stands by itself. Um, it hits on some topics. In in, I I think there are probably films that have you know gone into the revenge motif in different and maybe even better ways. But just the the combination of all of the good things in that movie, I just think it's it's uh, it's a singular work. Uh, part of it is also biased because of uh, because I like Christopher Nolan's other stuff too. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a film that I really enjoy. I will probably watch again several more times, and yeah, it 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 belongs in the Glitz Mob Hall of Fame for sure. For sure. So yeah. So so yeah. So that brings us to the end of. What we were talking about this week, my favorite movie and a Hall of Fame worthy movie. On to next week, where we'll be talking about another sci fi film featuring Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. Yes. Hopefully, this one is maybe a little bit more under the radar. Um, 
if you're a film buff, you surely heard of it. But one of my personal favorites, especially in the sci-fi genre, is Gattaca. Gattaca. Which, by the way, is entirely spelled with the letters of the genome sequence. It's Mr. DNA and he'll be your buddy. (laughs) I come from your blood, 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 bloody. (laughs) Oh, man. There is a very, very small audience who loved that joke. Ah, uh, and I was in it. Maybe one day we'll discuss if Jurassic Park <laughs> deserves to be in the Glitz Mob Hall of Fame. Of course it does. If the recording <laughs> survived, that film is definitely in our Hall of Fame. All right, so the last thing, the last item of business for the Glitz Mob every episode is we must, for the sake of humanity, ask a question of Kanye West. And this week, our question pertains to hashtag Awake 2020. Oof, sounds epic. It is the first epic evangelical event of the decade. And I'm quoting Kanye. I hope verbatim. I think verbatim. And my question is just, it's a broad one, but Kanye, tell me about this. I want to know what's driving you, man. What is exciting you about getting together with Jeremy Riddle and Brian Head Welch and just 10 hours in the desert in Arizona at the Arizona State University Stadium and just rocking it. I'm stoked, man. Mm. It's going to be a good time. Yep. Do you have any questions about Awake 2020, Brendan? Uh, man, I mean, with the lineup that's going to be there, I just want to know how much it costs. <laughs> Hey, you know what? Money is no object. So, I mean. You can't put a price on the most epic evangelical event of the decade so far. No, and you know, you really can't put a price on enough silver face paint to make ourselves turn into the Tin Man. Ooh, we should go and cosplay as Silver Kanye. Ooh, dang, that's a good, that's a good call. I can't wait for Halloween now. <laughs> Uh, uh. all right so that has been another episode of the glitz mob you know just we're sharing this stuff on facebook we'll probably start sharing it on twitter um if you're listening to this and you're just really mad that we made you listen to this tell us your thoughts how could this be better what do you want to hear you know if you're listening to this you probably know us personally so just just reach out, send me a text message, something like that. Let us know how you're feeling. Mm. Email, or, text, snail mail, phone call. That's right. Or, you know, if you have your own question that you would like to ask Kanye, let oh, us know. Please. Let us know. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll tune in next time. Until then, I'm Kent Sievers. I'm Brendan Meisner. Stay glitzy. Let's move.